All right, friends. We're here for the uh, the game of the year. I'm going to hit... So this is... Um, we got some music provided to us by Unwind Station Dash No Copyright Music. It's the name of the YouTube channel. And they have a video called Jazz Music Royalty Free Background Cafe Music and then in square brackets, Jazz No Copyright and then Dash Creative Commons Music. So... Half the time when these people say that they have like copyright free DMCA free music or whatever, like you read it and then they're like, oh, but if you use our music, be sure to put that it's copyright us, all rights reserved. And that's not what copyright free means, you morons. But whatever. So I found Unwind Station, no copyright music, and they seem to have music that they claim to be copyright free and then not tell you in the video description oh but you're supposed to anyway so anyway i think it's nice yeah yeah it's nice okay so we're here for the game of the year uh bracket if you go to challenge.com slash loka l-o-k-a-g-o-t-y-2023 all one word uh 2023 is with the digits um, then you'll be able to view this bracket, which will be complete by the time you hear this episode. Uh, so I have arranged a list of 76, yep, 76, 76 video games that I'm going to call have played this year. Okay. So that doesn't mean I've finished them, but I've played enough of the game that I can be like, either I put it directly onto Backlogged, um, but I didn't start doing Backlogged till like midway through the year, probably more than half of the way through the year. And so games earlier in the year before that, um, I remembered a few of them. If it was early in the year and I can't even remember that I played it, then I guess it doesn't deserve to be on the bracket because it's definitely not going to get game of the year. You know what I'm saying? Uh... So there's 76 entries here. We're going to do a Swiss tournament with 11 rounds. So um, round robin, every single person f does a match against every single other person. And then you have a bunch of win, lose, and ties. Um, for this, we are going to... Uh, Swiss is like that but less rounds. I don't know exactly the mechanics of how it works, but basically we, you don't, instead of like, if there's 76 participants and everyone is going to match off against everyone else, that would be 75 rounds of voting. And I don't think that I need to do 75 rounds. That's maybe too many. Um, so you can reduce the number of rounds in a Swiss tournament. It says here, they say you can do up to 30. I'm going to do 11. And maybe we'll hit it. We'll hit it for 13. We'll do Zodiac plus one rounds. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I've set it for 13 and then I'm going to discuss, similar to what we did last year, I'm going to discuss each game. Like we're going to look at a match, discuss, talk about the games, pros and cons maybe. And then, and then I'll make a determination for the match. Once we've gotten through all of round one, that's going to be 38 matches. So after that, maybe we don't need to cover every single... I mean, I don't... How long... How much time is it going to take me to do round one? I don't know. But 
I'm going to do round one, and then uh, I'll just start going through... Uh, we'll, we'll speed up significantly after the first, uh, so it says, yeah, 494. There's 494 individual matches that I'm going to have to determine. And I'm doing this for you, friends. I'm doing this for you, for scientifically accurate and verifiable data. The only way to get my official game of the year. Um, I'm going to need more water before this is done. Um, so yeah, we're gonna we're gonna focus on a lot of game talk early on, and then uh, I will probably fast forward to the end. Uh, I don't know. So I'm doing this. I'm gonna I'm gonna let in let y'all in on a secret. I'm doing this on November 14th. The last time that I did a the, the game of the year episode, I said that I would wait until uh, December 1st to really call it, but. Uh, I did look closely at the release calendar, and there's nothing that's going to come out between now and December 1st that's going to change my opinion. And so I'm going to record this now, because I have an afternoon free, and if my opinion somehow does change, then I can scrap this episode. And if you're listening to this episode, that means I haven't scrapped it and my opinion wasn't changed. Uh, it's that simple. Uh, going by that logic, I guess I could record the Game of the Year episode on January 1st, and then just record a new one every single time that a good game comes out, but that might be too many recordings. Mmm. Mmm. I'm just loving, I'm loving sipping this water. So our, uh, our lovely YouTube video here, it's got two hours on the clock, and we may have to find a little more music after that, but this should be well under two hours. If I go over two hours, I'm in trouble. I've caused myself some problems. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to double check my phone is set to do not disturb uh, for the next five hours. That sounds right. And then I will hit s start the tournament. Da, da, da. It's loading. Record scores below until the tournament is complete. The number of rounds for this tournament for 51 rounds or more. Uh, okay. Okay, so <clears throat> God of War Ragnarok uh, which was a big disappointment. I played God of War Ragnarok because I played God of War, and uh, actually, here, let's let's go. I, I it's hard to talk about God of War Ragnarok except in relation to God of War. So let's skip to match thirteen. God of War versus Cozy Grove. God of War has uh, Christopher Judge playing as uh, Kratos, the uh, who was an angry general, I guess, and then he killed the god of war and became the new god of war and then he did a bunch of stuff and then he was unhappy so he moved north and then in god of war this one the playstation god of war 2018 or whatever um he is an angry gruff man who has had a child he found a viking lady um had a kid and she died and now he's all upset that his wife is dead and he's a really bad father and he doesn't really know how to interact with his son Atreus I think his son is named and basically I was excited for the game because uh I liked Christopher Judge from being on Stargate uh, he was on Stargate for 10 10 years I really I really I really like Christopher Judge's work he starts off Teal'c starts off as kind of a gruff character 
and then as the seasons go, they kind of give him more to work with. He becomes a little bit more emotive with the other characters, kind of loosens up a little bit. And then God of War, he puts it puts Christopher Judge back in that initial like gruff, like like one word sentences, like boy, or like, you know, just shouting like run or, you know, whatever, whatever, like he tells the kid to attack or shoot or whatever. And it's just, I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. Um, he's just, he's just sort of a, a frozen, an emotionally frozen gruff buff man. And I didn't like that. Once, once I kind of realized, I played like two, two and a half hours, maybe three hours. Once I realized what was going on, I, uh, didn't, didn't care to continue. Like I, I'm not gonna watch, I'm not gonna watch 10 years of Christopher, of having them make Christopher Judge do more and more actual emotive acting and then just send him right back to saying not much. And you know, he did he did it well. You know, I, I don't want to say that, I'm, I'm not trying to say that he did a bad portrayal of the role, but I didn't like what the writers were giving their actors, so to speak. Um, in terms of the gameplay, I don't know. It was fine. It was a AAA game. You get points, you fill up meters, you do attacks and stuff or whatever you have a, you have an axe and you can throw it and then you have to like push the button to bring it back so it's like throw retrieve throw retrieve it has a it has a fun rhythm to it when you're in like a boss fight there's like a there's like a it, like in a zelda you just start mashing that bow button and you just shoot 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 um or like you know pulling the trigger really quickly if it's like breath of the wild but but this has like a slower, a methodical, a deliberate pace to it. So I like that. But I, I just didn't, the writing was not there. I don't want to, I, I, maybe if an entirely different team of people had written the story, then I could have played the game. Uh, Cozy Grove is, uh, you are a um, Girl Scout, Boy Scout type. You're like, you're like a scout type person. You're like a, a, a young, not necessarily like child child, not like a five-year-old or whatever, but like you're, you're some sort of like teenager type character who has gone on like a summer camp type thing. And you go to this island and there's a bunch of ghosts there. And then you get a letter and the one of the people in the letter is like, oh, actually we sent you to the wrong island. We, we You went to Spirit Island instead of Scout Island. Sorry about the mix up. And so then there's all these ghosts on the island and the ghosts have little tiny problems, but they're like Animal Crossing type problems. It's like, you know, go get me a fish or I can't find the raspberries or whatever, you know, things like that. I've lost my book somewhere on the island. I think it was near the statue that looks like a bear or whatever. And so you go around, you do these little tasks. The game is set up so that, um, like they very, they very clearly tell you um, in the game's description, like on a store page description, that the game is supposed to have up to an hour of content per day, but that you're supposed to play it over multiple days. And like, it's got, you know, different weather patterns and stuff. It's it's an Animal Crossing style game. So playing it over multiple days causes things to, to unfold. Um, the It is more numerical than Animal Crossing. Like the, the, the characters have heart levels that they feel towards your protagonist. And as you do task for them, it fills in the heart levels. Um, as you do things, 
and make people pleased. The island starts off very, very pale, very sort of dead. And then as you please these ghost inhabitants of the islands, their emotion, their joy emotions like spread out from them in like a wave. And the, the island like fills in with color. And the more things you do for them, like the deeper the colors become. It's a very, very beautiful game that really uses the uh, capabilities of video games to like easily shift, to like like do color math and stuff. Like it's, it's, it's shifting from pale to deep. In a, in a very fun way. Um, I played Cozy Grove for like two weeks. I don't know how long I would have have to played to like beat the whole game, but I kind of felt, you know, I got it on sale for like $5 or whatever. And I played it like every game, every day for like two weeks or whatever. And that's about as much as I felt I needed to play from the game. But I, I felt like it's definitely, if that's really your thing, cause I didn't, I played, I played way too much Animal Crossing New Horizon when it came out. Uh, we all did. But I played way too much of it and got sick of it fast. And so, you know, I played another two weeks of an Animal Crossing like with Cozy Grove. And then I still feel like, you know, maybe, maybe it's too, maybe in like another five years, I'll be ready for an Animal Crossing type game. But I just, just not, not for me. Um, but in terms of a game like that, I think it's a very strong entry. Um, so we're going to say, we're going to report our scores. We're going to... Uh, Cozy Grove gets a one. Uh, actually, wait, can I, can I do no? We're just going to say Cozy Grove is the winner. I don't, so I don't think the scores actually matter. Like if it's five to three or whatever, we can just verify the winner is Cozy Grove. Um, and actually, actually, I, I'm going to give it a one so that I can see in the preview. Yeah, Cozy Grove 1, God of War 0. Okay, which brings us back to match 1, God of War Ragnarok versus Mass Effect Andromeda. It's interesting because each of these are continuations of a AAA video game series. Do I feel that they are equally competent continuations of a AAA video game series? I do not. God of War Ragnarok is practically the same whole deal as you saw in God of War. Maybe the game gets radically better or something but i played like an hour or two of god of war ragnarok and i said to myself ah nothing is particularly different about this that would make me say like if i didn't like god of war then i would like god of war ragnarok i feel like it's it's playing the old tunes to a crowd that is assumed to already like those tunes and that's cool that's really cool you know if 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 more of something you already like comes out, I'm happy for you. But I don't feel like it's going to... I can't put myself in the shoes of a kind of person who would not like God of War 1 and then like God of War Ragnarok anyway. God of War 2018. I can't, I can't imagine, they don't seem to be distinct enough. Um, whereas Mass Effect Andromeda has, um, Mass Effect, of course, the main Mass Effect games, you're playing as um, Space Cop Shepard and you have to defeat the Reapers who are like from outside the galaxy and from so far back in time that there are no records of them and stuff. And every 50,000 years they show up to harvest all the life and then preserve it in their weird, creepy preservation jars. And then they go back 
outside the galaxy and wait for life to build up again. Um, classic story. Heard it all the time. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda is like you are part of a colony uh, squad, I guess. There are multiple colony ships that were all launched that were supposed to end up near each other and like form a, a cluster of colonies. Um, or like they dock together. And then, and then the big space station that they form was supposed to deploy a cluster of colonies, I guess. Um, and I think it was supposed to be that, like, a super rich guy funded the whole expedition. The guy was, like, basically Elon Musk. It's like, you're going, you're going to Mars on Elon Musk's colony ship or whatever. I don't know. Uh, no, you go to the Andromeda Galaxy. And some of the old prejudices are... The old prejudices and problems are a little bit left behind, but not too left behind. So, like, the Salarians and the Krogans still hate each other. Um, but the Krogans... Um, they used that... I guess they were gene-modded during the, during the 600-year flight or whatever, so that they have less of the genophage problem than when they left. But they still have a pretty bad genophage problem. And then there's humans, and each of the ships is primarily one race, because that's always a good plan. I really love um, ethnostates. Uh, and so, like, you are a human starting on the mostly human ship, and then you are... Like, you were expecting the Turian ship to follow behind... But then, like, it never gets there or stuff. There's all, I mean, over 600 years, there's going to be some confusion. And so, your dad is a... What's it? It's not... It, you're not a specter. You're like a guardian or some crap like that. You're, you're a warden, maybe, is the word. The point is, you're the person that's allowed to make decisions. And no one else is able to make decisions um, because they're not a player character. So there's like there's like a person. Like, like there was a ship that arrived in the galaxy ahead of you for like a year. And they were like unfrozen from storage and stuff. And they were doing stuff for a year. And they were like fighting other aliens. And they were gathering resources. And they were fixing their ship and everything. But none of them were a warden, so none of them were allowed to make any decisions. Until you show up, and your dad's a warden, but on the first mission, he dies! And he transfers his warden authority to you, because that's how it works. He, he taps some buttons on the computer as he's dying, and then like he tells the AI, Oh, my, my child is the, is the warden now, and so, so now you're the warden? And you have to make all the decisions. Which is... Which is kind of funny, because one of my biggest complaints about Mass Effect is all the cops and fascism stuff, um, which I would prefer there was less of. And here they make an entirely new galaxy that can have all sorts of new systems, and they just immediately bring out that only the strong man or strong woman can like can like lead the people the people are incapable of making any choices on their own or anything and i'm like she had a whole new galaxy and that's what you did with it okay okay fine anyway mass effect andromeda is fine it's fine it's totally fine you uh you go to a planet there's some ancient ruins 
you shoot at weird geometry monsters. They're like made of triangles and crap, because uh, they're because they're alien. Um, you get on a you have two humans I think that start on your team. You get an Asari early on. She goes around. She's really energetic. She's very cute. Um, and uh, when you first meet her uh she like she like jump tackles you like not as an attack like as like as excited she's excited that someone else has found these ruins with her and she like jump tackles you and then like your like the camera cuts and your character is like trying to figure out what happened and, and like you look up and she's like sitting on your chest like pinning you down and there's an interrupt command where you can like shove her off and i'm just i want metrics i want metrics on how many players ever tried to shove the hot asari off of pinning them down and how many players just went with it because i feel like i feel like it's an incredibly high number of people that are just going to go with it like i saw that interrupt command and like i said to myself why would you even put this in the game what kind of what kind of person would possibly shove off the asari in this moment it just doesn't make any sense um and you know i it's fine. You you eventually uh, I I played enough to uh, found a new station or find, found a new colony site. Like you go to a colony site that's all busted and stuff, and you you restore the atmosphere generators or whatever to like restore habitability on the planet, and then uh, you can decide if you want the colony site to be science oriented or military oriented. And I picked science oriented. And I'm sure at the end of the game that'll matter, but it didn't seem to have too much effect right away. Um, you don't actually do any like Sim City building placement or anything like that. Um, it's pretty light in terms of like having to decide how stuff unfolds. Um, it's similar. It had the energy of like how in Mass Effect Two you can like tell the ship you like you can go into a menu and tell the ship to get ship upgrades and stuff like it's just it's just really light um but it was fine if i hadn't like if i didn't have other games to play i could imagine myself probably playing the rest of it it's, it's an okay video game which means that between god of war ragnarok and mass effect andromeda we are going to hit mass effect andromeda submit scores um Let's see, uh, match two, Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice, and Pillars of Eternity. This is not even a contest. I played Sekiro, Shadows Die Twice uh, because it was at the library. I have a PS5 with a disk drive in it, and so I got it from the library, and I played it for 45 minutes, and then I took it back to the library because, damn, that game is hard. I played Elden Ring with Brian, as you all know, and I've said to myself, well, if I kind of liked Elden Ring and kind of got used to it after a while, maybe I should try, just try Sekiro. Because I'd also tried uh, DLC Demon Souls uh, later on this list. So I said, oh, I'll, I'll try Sekiro. And uh, wow, this game is hard. Uh, it's not for me. I, I don't have the kind of precise video game reflexes required. And so it just kicked my butt. There was like, you get... There's a little bit of sneaking thing at the start. You talk to a prince or something, and then the prince is like, go do this thing. And I'm like, okay. So you leave the room, and then there's like a boss guy. And 
I got my butt kicked just trying to go to the boss once or twice. And then like I got to the boss and it was, it was, he, he just stabs you. He stabs you really hard. Um, and then of course you go back to the prince and you have to go through to get back to the boss again. And uh, it's just too much. And I said to myself, there's no way I'm beating this entire game. So how much of this do I really need to stick with? Uh, and then I just set it down. Meanwhile, Pillars of Eternity. Oh, top game, top game. Pillars of Eternity is basically everything that a Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 player, is basically everything that an Affinity Engine player, uh, Icewind Dale, uh, Penske Torment, all that, those sorts of things. It's, it's, it's everything that those sorts of players could, I think, want out of a new spiritual successor video game. Um, the the characters, and considering that it was a kickstarted indie game, of course, the characters are quite interesting and they have um, big enough quest lines, you know, going on. There's enough areas, there's like people to talk to, quests to do. It's a full-size game with really cool game balance. Like it has its own custom system uh, that so that like all the stats are use are generally useful to all of the different classes and stuff depending on exactly what you want to do. Like there's a might stat and that's not the same as strength. It's like projection of damage and healing. So like a barbarian wants might to do damage, but a wizard also wants might because might affects spell damage as well as melee damage. And a cleric wants might because might uh, improves the amount of healing that the cleric has. So it's it's generally, are you like a mighty protagonist character? Then you put high in the might and then you can have, and but like maybe, so like, um, there's like buffs and debuffs. There's uh, attacks, uh, there's like defenses and um, attacks and interrupting and concentration, like all these little stats. And uh, all the different substats are like keyed off of these six main stats. And so uh, generally every character could benefit from any of the main stats. And so it is, it, it allows for a much wider range of customization. Like if you want to do a fighter, then often you will put some points into like uh, resolve and dexterity or agility, I think it's called. But like you could do a might and intelligence focused fighter and then like you could pick abilities that go with that and stuff. Um, so I like that. I, it's It's got character customization things. It's got interesting characters that um, not every character is equally interesting, but they're, they're, they're well characterized. They're well written. Like once you play the game, you could like make up a scene in your head and then you could like imagine how the different characters would sort of respond to to some sort of new scenario um and then uh the the story itself is very cool i haven't beaten it i have to admit that i haven't beaten it but um i've played i've played two of the three acts uh before and it uh it's the this there's this world where there's like these these Adra, like bones of the planet that are everywhere and souls are flowing. Like when a person dies, their souls go into the Adra 
and they like flow around until they bond onto a new um like an infant like you're they're born into a new body um and so there's this reincarnation thing but normally you don't have access to your past life's memories um but your character like you go near this weird contraption as it goes off and you get turned into a watcher which means that you can like start being aware of souls and stuff uh and so you have to like track down the person that's using this weird contraption and like fix you you go up to them and you're like hey fix this and they're like mwahaha i'm the bad guy i'm not gonna help you and you know like you do like you do he's a saravok type figure someone that is you know can waggle a finger in your face and then run away to fight the next to fight another day so yeah pillars of eternity uh we can report that score uh oh it's saving okay next up we have final fantasy 4 pixel remaster versus final fantasy 7 now final fantasy 4 i'm sure you're all familiar with it's got um uh cecil it's got Ridia, it's got Kane and Edge and Rosa, it's got Sid, uh, Tella, Palum and Porum, and so forth. Uh, so I played the pixel remaster of it, and it's an utterly delightful game. Uh, the entire pixel remaster series is really, really, really good. If you haven't played any of the old Final Fantasies and you ever thought, I might be interested in them, then I would absolutely completely endorse getting the Pixel Remaster version and giving them a play. They have uh, experience and gold boosters and stuff so that you can play through the game and focus on the story um, while still having like just a hair, you get a hair, a little hint of what the battle system is like without having to stop and actually grind out super seriously. Um, they are pretty quick games unless you want to get the platinum trophies, which I did on one through four. I, I went through, I got, I found all the bestiary entries. I found all the rare monsters. I opened all the treasure chests, all that stuff. Um, it's just, it's just a really good experience. I think Final Fantasy four is also notable because that's the one where we decide that fantasy games, um, not only include a little bit of a little bit of magitech that we don't quite call magitech which has been in the game ever since final fantasy one but also that the airships can go off into the moon and then on the moon we can find yet more people that we can have multiple worlds like you're you're on the surface of the world you go underneath the world you go back up to the surface you go to the moon it's all good i love it i love it so much um the other end you have final fantasy 7 which It's, uh, it's funny. I was listening to, uh, some of the Chrono Cross episodes. One of the Chrono Cross episodes came out today. Um, and I was listening to it. Those were so old that I don't entirely remember what was even said in them. Uh, and we talked about Final Fantasy VII and how it's got, uh, such blurry graphics that you can't even tell what's going on. And it's a little bit fixed in the in the Switch version, but not too much fixed. And there's just a lot 
with controlling Final Fantasy VII, it's not a good game. It's a cool story, but in terms of like the actual game elements, they're mostly not good. In fact, they're mostly kind of bad and the controls are kind of bad and everything about it, it's like it's, it's stumbling forward into being something that is memorable. I don't think that like, like if you were making a new game, there are very few elements of Final Fantasy VII that you would really want to copy forward. You wouldn't want the bad controls. You wouldn't want the fact that all the background textures are like really blurry and you can't really tell what you're looking at and you can't really tell like what direction the character is even walking. Um, I don't think that you would want much of the battle system and stuff. It's kind of really rough and hard to work with. Um, I don't even... Like, you wouldn't even want the music exactly because it's, uh, it's all MIDI music. Um, but I don't, I don't even think it's, like, particularly great in terms of being MIDI. So, like, you'd want to, you'd want to have arranged music. Um, I mean, we have the Final Fantasy VII Remasters out. Like, we, we know, basically, what would be kept. Like, the idea that there are materia that you can put into item, into, into equipment. And then, like, the broad characters of, like, Cloud Tifa, Barrett, and stuff. The Final Fantasy IV Pixel Remaster. I'm sorry. It beats Final Fantasy VII. That's, that's all there is to it. I'm going to hit done. I don't, need to, I don't need to pontificate on this anymore. Um, Dragon Quest V, Hand of the Heavenly Bride versus Kina Bridge of Spirits. I played Dragon Quest V a little bit, like 10, 12 hours, maybe based off of a person saying that if Dragon Quest V had been released in the West, no one would talk about Chrono Trigger. It just would be the top. Dragon Quest V would be the undisputed top Super Nintendo game. And I said, that's pretty high praise. That, that can't quite be right, can it? And the answer is that no, that's not right. A Dragon Quest V is not uh, too interesting of a game. It is a boring slow slog game. It is exactly what a Dragon Quest game should be. To be clear, this is what a Dragon Quest game should be. It is a slow game that you can play half an hour to an hour of every evening just before you're going to bed for like an entire month for like two, three months. You just play a little bit at a time and you eventually get through the game. But it's not really like super compelling or exciting it doesn't it doesn't amp you up there's no moments like when chrono whips out his sword and jumps through the air and smashes the dragon tank none of that there's no there's no moments where like robo is saying hey don't attack my friends and then all the other blue robots like beat him into pieces and throw him down the the trash pile there's there's nothing it's just it's just it's just like it's just, a, it's just a glass of milk. That's what it is. It's the most plain glass of milk of a video game is what Dragon Quest V is. Now, it's a good glass of milk. It tastes great. It's got that umami-ness to it. It's got that sweet umami. But... I just... I can't put it too highly. Uh, on the other hand, Kina Bridge of Spirits is... Uh, it looks kind of like a DreamWorks movie, sort of. It's got that animation style that make it makes it look um, a little bit kind of like a like a DreamWorks. Maybe not exactly. I want 
I know that DreamWorks and Pixar have different looks, but like, you know, if you if you if you don't know what I mean when I say a DreamWorks movie, then you could imagine a Pixar movie instead, and you would be um not far off. You wouldn't be so far off, you know, if you have no other point of reference. Um Kina uh looks very good. Uh sounds very good. I like how the game sounds the whole time. The music, the sound effects, everything. The little the little bops, like Kina has this little staff, and every the little bops when she hits stuff with her staff, mm, it's so good. I love the little pops. And then the the whip 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 as she shoot as she shoots the this like when she puts the staff into bow mode and she shoots. Um everything about the game looks and sounds good. The story is serviceable for like like as a, as a driver of why you're doing all these different monster fights, it's serviceable. I don't know if it's attempting to be similar to any sort of actual, like real world mythology set. Like, I don't know if it's, if there's some set of like Shinto legends or something that are being used as the basis for this uh, Bridge of Spirits thing. Or if they've just made some stuff up, it's totally fine. Hold on. If they've just made some stuff up, that's totally fine too. Um, but I like it. I like everything about it. Um, so we're gonna give uh, Keen Average of Spirits the win over Dragon Quest V. Uh, let's see. Ooh, here we have the first, I, want, I don't wanna say difficult. That might be overselling how close these games are. But we have two uh, really solid games here. I Was a Teenage Exocolonist is an adventure game where you uh, you start as a 10-year-old on a space colony on another planet. An exocolonist, right? You're colonizing a whole new planet. But the planet already has all sorts of life on it. It's got plant life. It's got animal life. Um, no apparent intelligent life. Uh, whether or not there's actually no intelligent life, well, that's mysterious, and you'd have to play the game. And I think there's like multiple paths and stuff. Like maybe if I'd done something different, I would have found out. I didn't. I didn't obviously find any other intelligent life, but like maybe I have to learn to speak to the animals or something, you know. Anyway, it's really cool. The way you actually play the game is that um, there are a certain number of months in each year and each month you pick a task that you want to do and uh when you you pick a task that you want to do and then there's like this sort of card game type thing where you draw some cards um and then you put them down in like uh like if you put the same color cards next to each other, or you put them in straights or whatever, then that, that can get you points. You put down the cards, you get points. If you have enough points, then you beat the challenge. And um, then if you beat the challenge, you get more stuff. You still get some stuff if you lose the challenge. Um, and the stuff is like stat gains or like, um, sometimes it's like relationship changes or items or something. And so you get, you're building up all these little stats month over month, year over year. And then as you go to do certain things, uh, like you will have to have your, your stats have to be at a certain threshold to like, when there's like a choice, it'll, there'll be like two choices. And then there's a third choice. If you have a high enough stat or something, you know, things like that. Um, classic, simple adventure game things. Uh, and so in my own playthrough, it was 
I started off uh, doing organizing stuff. And then every year the monsters attack. And then after the monsters attacked that first time, I decided that my character's response was to like go towards like investigating the world outside of the, the little the walls, like checking out the outside, training to have like fighting skills and stuff. And so I mostly trained as like a guard scout type person for most of the rest of my game. Um, and eventually like the uh, like in the final encounter, I was able to use my uh, my combat skills and stuff to like save the other person that I was with. And we like made it through because the game ends when you're 20. It's, it's month to month, year over year, and then eventually when you become 20, you're no longer a teenager, therefore the game is over. Um, and it, like, it does an epilogue of, like, who, over the next 10, 20 years, which of the characters that survived, because not everyone survives, um, which of the characters that survived, like, what happened to them and stuff. Um, so it was really cool. I... If I wasn't trying to play so many different video games all the time, I could definitely imagine a second or even third playthrough of it. Um, <clears throat> very, very solid work. I think it's um, not... Uh, I don't think it's a one-person project, but it seemed like a, a, a small team, like an indie game type thing, as opposed to... I don't think it came from a major publisher. Uh, let's see. Uh, can we copy this? Let's copy this do a google search it is put up by northway games it's on a lot of platforms um it's on playstation switch uh linux windows mac it doesn't appear to be on xbox uh northway games it's a canadian independent video game studio consisting of a husband and wife team colin and sarah northway well Colin and Sarah Northway, should you ever somehow hear this, I would like to congratulate you on an incredibly well done game. Um, I, I like the art style in, um, I was a teenage exocolonist as well. It's like, um, your, your, your little paper doll type creations. And like you walk around the town and then like each building has a different thing you can do that month or whatever. So it's, it's like, it's not super actiony or whatever, but, you, but there's, there's animation of you like walking around the town um, and it all looks very, very nice and cute. Um, and then when you're in a scene, there's like each card has little pictures because there's like a, over 150 different cards you can get. Each card has a little picture and then different events have like big, like uh, what's they're, they're called like character graphics, I guess if it's a visual novel, they're like big full screen pictures of like, like a work of art, like you could use as a desktop wallpaper. But I, one of them, I actually took a screenshot and put it on my desktop wallpaper. It's just, it's just a beautiful, beautiful game. Um, Baldur's Gate 2 Enhanced Edition. Uh, would I pick, I was a teenage exocolonist or Baldur's Gate 2 Enhanced Edition? It's hard not to pick Baldur's Gate 2, but you know what? I got a problem with Baldur's Gate 2. Baldur's Gate 2 kind of sucks because there's too many wizards that can cast chaos. There's too many, like in Baldur's Gate 2, Baldur's Gate is great. But the problem with Baldur's Gate 2 is that there are so many scenarios where your characters can just be hecked over. Like just heck you and that's it, you're done. And so you just have to load and there's not much that you can do about it. Like you can't, 
you can't decide that you're being affected by by chaos spells all the time so like find equipment that that protects against chaos but then that makes you vulnerable to lightning instead or something like you can't you can't change tactics or change strategies to to compensate for different fights in any sort of dynamic way so like you just have to load more you just have to save and load more that's what you do um or like you turn on you turn on story mode so that your characters are immune to the effect entirely like you just you can just cheat your way through it i don't think that's good game design now in terms of the writing of Baldur's gate 2 the writing's pretty cool like there's a lot of writing and there's a lot of cool people to meet and there's like a lot of little items and stuff and if it weren't for all the heck off stupid encounters Baldur's gate 2 would be a really great game um the story wanders to a bunch of different locations it wraps up in a way that i surely did not predict when i like when i started the game i had no idea where the story was going um but i was very happy with the ending like that that's uh, sometimes you don't know where the story is going and it gets there and you're like oh i didn't care but i i was happy with the way Baldur's gate 2 ended but I just wish that I wish the encounter balance was a little bit better. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? It's like it's it's a, it's just unfortunate that a game that could have been so great actually has this this stumbling block that I just can't get over. And I know a lot of people love Baldur's Gate 2, but maybe those people are looking at it with rose-ish glasses. Not exactly rose-colored, but not exactly rose-tinted, but you know, just completely rose glasses. Anyway, Game of the year. I think I'm going to give it to Baldur's Gate 2. And next time Teenage Exocolonist comes up, it's it's going to beat a lot of games. I just don't think it can beat Baldur's Gate 2. Um, Baldur's Gate 2 has a, has a depth to it that I don't necessarily feel that Teenage Exocolonist would have had, even if I had played it much more. Like, it's like a 10-hour game, and then you replay it, and like maybe you get up to like... like You don't have to read as much stuff as much. So like you add another five hours to do another playthrough or something. But I don't know that it could, it could have as, it's a scale issue. All right, so we'll hit Baldur's Gate 2. Um, Persona 5 Royal versus Nexamon. I didn't play a lot of Persona 5 Royal this year. I played just a hair because I needed to uh, show a friend. Uh, I was playing, uh, it must, Eternites. Yeah, I was playing Eternites. And um, the friend, uh, Mactan, Mactan was saying, oh yeah, this looks cool. And I'm like, yeah, this is just like Persona 5. And then I said to myself, oh wait, Mactan, are you familiar with Persona 5? Mactan said, no, I've never heard of Persona 5. So I had to be like, okay, look, there's, this is a game. We're gonna go into this other world. We're gonna fight monsters. And then it's got this clock system and stuff where we have like to do afternoon and evening tasks over and over. Um, so I played like two hours of it. You know, I played, 20, 40 hours before, but but in 2023, not much time, but it counts. As you'll see, some other <laughs> some other tenuous. Well, you know, second row I played two hours of. So Persona 5, I also played two hours of it counts. Persona 5 Royal is just too long. It's just too long. If the game, if the game could be shorter, it would be better. It would be a better game if if it was more terse about it. 
Um, on the other hand, we have Nexomon. Nexomon is a Pokemon Gen 3-esque type game. It looks kind of like the Pokemon Gen 3 games. You know, your Fire Reds, your Rubies and Sapphires. And it's got all, all new monsters. Like, it's this isn't a ROM hack. This is a totally separate game. You can even buy it on the Switch, I think. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's totally, totally legit. Um, and uh, it's got monsters that are all pretty cute. It's got uh, it's got its own set of elements that I didn't fully learn. Um, and it's fine. Uh, it's a fine Pokemon game. If you really are, if you're really hankering for a Pokemon game, I would absolutely say try Nexamon. I've played Nexamon two also. It's going to be somewhere in this list, I think. And I did like Nexamon two. A little more than Nexamon 1. But if you like, you know, doing the whole thing, um, it's... Yeah, play the first one. They're like five bucks each or whatever. Or like five... Maybe the first one's five, the second one's ten or something. Like, these these aren't expensive games when you get them on sale. Um, so, yeah. I'm actually going to give uh, Nexamon over Persona 5 Royal. Uh, sorry to Joker. Um, let's see. 2064 Read Only Memories is a pixel graphics investigation game where a robot comes to you and needs you to help investigate the robot's builder has been kidnapped uh, and that's as far as i got because the actual interface for the game of like looking around the apartment for clues and stuff uh i i'm not familiar with these type games and so I wasn't really feeling it. I liked the voice acting, like like the voice acting and the characterization of the little main robot that, that's like talking to you and stuff. That's absolutely solid. But as soon as I started playing the game, I was like, oh no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to like read a walkthrough of like what to do every single time. I might as well just like watch a YouTube video of someone like doing a let's play. Like I do not want to play out this game myself. Um, on the other hand, Tales of Arise is a JRPG Tales game that was just completely boring. And the characters, like, just totally hate, kind of hated each other in a way that really turned me off from the game. So, like, I, I went far enough to, like, beat the first boss. There's, like, alien overlords from the moon that have, like, uh, uh... They've come to the main planet and they've like turned the main planet people into slaves because they're like super strong space marine types or whatever. And they've enslaved everyone and everyone has to like mine or build stuff or something. It's it's unclear. Like like your character is like working in a mine. It's it's unclear if other regions do other stuff, kind of like a like a Hunger Games type scenario or what. But eventually you get recruited by the resistance and then uh one of the aliens that has this, has a laser rifle she's rebelling against the aliens and joins the resistance with you for reasons that are unclear and she's like she's just as as soon today as it comes she's like oh it's not like i even like you don't even think that i'm doing this for you i'm only doing it for myself and stuff and it's just like i don't I don't. I don't feel she was a good Sundere character. I I wrote this on backlogged, and then uh, that like I didn't like how the characters didn't like each other, and then 
so I so I quit the game after like two or three hours. And then and then some of the comments to some of the replies to my review were like, well, you didn't even beat the game. They get married at the end of the game. And I'm like, heck off. I know they get married at the end of the game. There is a man and a woman in the same scene in a game by Japan. Of course, they get married at the end of the game. Obviously, that's going to happen. But I don't have to enjoy it. Like the way it's written can still be trash. Um, like, like there's, there's good, there is good Sundarees and there's bad Sundarees. She is a bad Sundaree. Sorry. Tales of Arise enjoyers. So between the game that I, so, but the, the game that is so boring and also characters that I hate versus the game I don't want to play, but has a character that I like, I guess we're going to pick 2064. Um, it's been 52 minutes. I'm going to, I'm going to take a, I'm going to hit pause and I'm going to go get some more water and then I'll be right back. So you're going to hear a discontinuity, a discontinuity in the music, but don't, don't worry about it. Ba, ba, ba. Okay. Here we are. <clears throat> I turned the music up a bit because it felt like it was getting a little too soft. Um, let's, uh, let's put some little slippers on my little feetsies so we don't get too cold. Um... Where were we? Ah, for Spoken versus Dragon Audit. Oh, this is going to be a tough one. I liked for Spoken. For Spoken got a lot of crap. For being terribly written. An isekai that doesn't take itself seriously or whatever. But like, I liked it. I pretty much enjoyed Forspoken all the way through. I thought that the, uh, there's like a, I guess you'll call it a point of no return. There's a point of no return where like the game kind of shifts and some of your abilities go away and are replaced with other things and stuff. And, uh, that was that was fine. At the end of the game, you can like like once you have resolved the final boss battle and stuff, you can continue the save. And then the PS5 said that I had like 85% game completion. So I guess there is post-game content to do. I never played it exactly. I'm actually I got the DLC and had it download while I went to the bike shop to get my tire replaced. And so uh, I'm going to play that. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have a good time doing that. If it's like the main game, that's going to be great. So, uh, yeah, Forspoken is great. On the other hand, it's rough that Forspoken is up against Dragon Audit because Dragon Audit is a perfect video game um, with absolutely... Uh, there's nothing wrong with Dragon Audit. It, um, it looks bizarre. It looks, one might say, bad. Um, it looks sort of uh, simple, unsophisticated art, you might say. But it is, it is exactly like what, like as as you as you play through, it's obvious that it is exactly the way the the author intended for it to look. It doesn't have. Sometimes you you look at a piece of art and you're like, oh. Uh, I, I get the sense that the artist didn't want to look like this, but their skill level, like they were hitting their skill ability problems 
and they, they couldn't make it look better even though they wanted it to look better, you know? On the other hand, sometimes you'll see something and you'll be like, well, this doesn't look great in the traditional sense, but it is exactly what the artist intended, you know? So, um, Dragon Audit falls into the second category. Um, the uh, sound is pretty good. The, the the anime faces when they're they're making anime faces and these two characters talk to each other and um, all the sounds and stuff the foley is great um, and then the story itself is that you are a uh, so dragon audit you're a tax auditor and you have to uh get in your tank and go outside the city walls where there's naturally all sorts of monsters and go to the dragon's castle and audit the dragon's taxes uh to make sure that she's paying her fair share to the the town or whatever and then when you get there it turns out that the dragon is less of like a big scaly lizard type dragon and it's more like an anime dragon girl type dragon like a like a human with little wings on her back and like like cute scales on her face um and she is just she's just the thirstiest dragon girl you've ever met she's just so down bad for this auditor because she's just she's just really really trying um and it's good i like i like that comedy element i love a i love a i love a thirsty protagonist um you know, Fourth Wing. If you if you haven't read the book Fourth Wing, I'm gonna plug it right here. It's a solid book. The the sequel came out. I haven't got a chance to read the sequel yet, but I'm I'm sure that'll be good too. Um. And uh, I hope I hope that the team, I this Dragon Audit is the most recent uh release by the uh developers. Let me check who made this game. Uh, Archive Entertainment, aka Archive Entertainment LLC. Um, Archive Entertainment. Uh, oh, the Kabolds Left Behind, I think, came out after Dragon Audit. So I, I actually purchased that game and was meaning to, um was meaning to look into it, but I thought it was an earlier project in the Dragon Audit. I was hoping the Dragon Audit would get a sequel someday. Dragon Audit Chapter 2. I would be so excited if Dragon Audit got a Chapter 2. But, uh, you know, not every game can get a sequel. Sometimes, sometimes you only get one perfect game. Um, but yeah, between Forspoken, which I felt, and I felt, Forspoken, so one, one thing I would like to point out with Forspoken is you get a lot of these AAA games and everyone is like standing apart from each other in scenes all the time and characters don't exactly interact with each other like in the witcher 3 the like characters will kind of get close to each other but like it's really rare for them to have a to do a scene where the characters will directly talk to each other and it's usually just a bunch of shot re reverse shot and like a some peasant or like some bartender or whatever is like talking to Geralt and they're totally disjoint like and as the sh just the camera's going back and forth between them and they're very separate in Forspoken the camera work is incredible and the characters are like moving and interacting with each other like characters like one character collapses another person goes and like grabs them around the shoulder and stuff and tries to steady them and things like that and 
they they are able to actually look like they are in the same scene with each other. And I really enjoyed that part about Forspoken. I, I wanted to say that specifically. Um, I think in the same way that Teenage Exocolonists would beat a lot of games, Forspoken beats a lot of games. But unfortunately, I don't think Forspoken beats Dragon Auto. Like, I know that Forspoken's a big AAA game or whatever, huge budget, $10 trillion budget, and Dragon Audit was probably made by, like, three people working in Unity. But Dragon Audit is exactly perfect at what it wants to be. You know? And I gotta respect that. So we're, we're gonna take Dragon Audit over Forspoken. <clears throat> uh, it's, now we're back to a little too much music. Let's... Turn that down. <clears throat> Demon's Souls. So this is Demon's Souls, the PS5 version, the PS5 remake, which is apparently, though it ruins the aesthetic because you can see stuff or whatever. Oh, fuck, I don't care. Um, and Coffee Talk, which is one of those. So Demon's Souls is a Souls-like game. It's the, came out, it's the game that came out before Dark Souls, and then this is the PS5 re-release. It's the most recent... I think it came out after Elden Ring, so it's, yeah, it's like the most recent of the official Souls games. Like, Lies of P is a Souls game, but, you know, and Fires of Rubicon is not a Souls game, but it's by FromSoft. So, you know. Um, I liked Demon's Souls okay. I played it enough to defeat the, uh, defeat the first round of the first world so like you you go into the first world like there's like a hub world and then you go into the first world and there's like a castle you go up the path to the castle you go along the side of the castle you go through hallways and corridors and stuff and eventually you get back around to like an upper portion like you go off to the left and eventually you get to the upper right portion of the castle and you can like lower a ladder so that you can get back like a shortcut ladder type thing and then eventually you open the front gate of the castle and there's like a mini boss which is like a swarm of slimes and you have to like throw fireballs at the slimes because they're like they're weak to fire and there's also a lot of them so you just throw some fireballs in there and um and you can win and i did that and i said yeah that's as much as i need to do because honestly the grinding in this game uh too much there's too much grinding um do do all the souls games need an easier mode i don't know that they need an easier mode exactly because they have the ability to grind and then you can generally like like the game becomes easier when you have more stats you know but what i would like is a way to just just give me like five times the souls like, just five five times the souls or whatever. Just cut the amount of grind that I have to do. The actual monsters can be just as tough or whatever. And then, like, let me out-level them a little bit faster. If Like, if, I, if I'm trying to out-level things as my strategy to getting through a fight or whatever, just let me do that a little faster. Um, that's what I think. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was fun. I, I definitely see how Demon Souls uh led to dark souls and stuff it's easy to tell the the lineage there um i liked demon souls more than i like dark souls remastered on the switch um 
maybe it's just because it looks prettier and I and I like a pretty video game. I don't know. On the other hand, we have Coffee Talk, which is like, uh, you are in charge of a late night ca cafe and people come in and talk about stuff. I kind of misunderstood what you do in the game because like, it, it's like the preview pictures had like, that you would like make coffee drinks for the customers. And then I thought that you would like say stuff to the customers, like like a bartender offering advice type of things or whatever. But that's not really what you do. You make the drinks that the customers asked for. And then they talk and talk and talk. And you don't get to pick anything until eventually like they leave and a new customer comes in and the customer asks for something and then you make another drink. So it's, it's much more visual novel than I was really prepared to play. So after like an hour of it, I was like, yeah, this is, this is not for me. Um, but I guess if you like a visual novel and you occasionally want to like, just every once in a while, pay attention to what someone says and then make a drink based on that, then I guess that's fine. And maybe, I see, I see that's the thing. Playing an hour of it, I can't imagine that the game would like start introducing a bunch of choices later on or whatever. So we'll take Demon Souls in that matchup. <clears throat> Here's a good pairing. The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening versus Metal Gear Solid. Neither of these games came out this decade or even within several decades. Metal Gear Solid I played because the Metal Gear Solid Master Collection, this is, um, it's a remake of the PlayStation version of Metal Gear Solid. It doesn't have the Twin Snakes uh, updates. And Link's Awakening, uh, it's actually the DX version, and I played the uh, first dungeon of it um, on the Switch Online's Game Boy emulator. Do I like Link's Awakening and Metal Gear Solid more? Um, I think definitely Link's Awakening. I'm sorry, uh, there's, there's no contest. Metal Gear Solid has some interesting ideas, some really cool voice acting. It makes a good movie, but in terms of being a game, I don't think it's a very good game. Um, the controls are really janky in a bad way. Um, I tried doing the virtual, the virtual reality missions, and uh, the in the in the in the VR missions, it's like <clears throat> little sequences that take like 20 seconds to walk through if you do it right, or even less. Um, and then you have to sneak past all the guards. If a guard sees you, it's like a European extreme mode. Like if a guard sees you, you're instantly out and you have to try again. However, I watched a thing on YouTube and a person was doing a thing where they go up and do a chokehold and then they like knock out the guard. The thing is, the guard can often see you as you're doing the chokehold on them. Like you're choking them and you're about to knock them out, but they still see you as you grab them. And so like it counts as a loss. And like, what, what the heck? What what the heck is that? Um, so yeah, Metal Gear Solid, great movie, not great game. Uh, Link's Awakening takes it. Oh, here's a matchup I don't like. Uh, Doki Doki Literature Club Plus versus Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Doki Doki Literature Club Plus, I do not care for. I don't like the twist. I think that the twist is antithetical to making me care about the video game and like it. If you want to hear about the twist, go listen to 
Ben's Dragoon Effect podcast where he does the does the playthrough of it. Um, I'm not going to tell you what the twist is right now. I'm just going to tell you I don't like it. Uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I uh, actually has a similar problem. The, the the twist of Assassin's Creed Odyssey is that you're playing a Ubisoft game, and so after two hours, you realize that everything sucks because everything's going to be drip-fed to you for the next five million years. Um, the game starts off really cool. The game starts off really great. But as soon as you get off the tutorial island and into the wider world you realize oh wow everything here you're gonna have to grind so much to like level up through all the stuff and there's gonna be all these little quests and none of them really matter that much um so i got far enough to do the main quest to the point where my spear like i put the spear in an ancient cave or something and then the main lady woke up out of the simulation and like had some coffee and a break and then went back into the simulation and then i decided to stop continuing the game um so you know a game that i can't possibly complete versus a game that i was really turned off by and like the twist maybe immediately not care about it i i I guess I'm gonna give it to Assassin's Creed Odyssey, but like begrudgingly, you know. Final Fantasy III Pixel Remaster versus Animal Crossing New Horizons. I played Animal Crossing New Horizons because a friend got Animal Crossing and I told her I would make a town and then like if I had fruits that she didn't have, then I would give her the fruits. So I played it like two days and then and then didn't play it at all. To be clear, that's because my previous Animal Crossing town was not backed up on the cloud when I lost my previous switch. So I was starting a totally new town when I when I played it this time. <clears throat> uh, you know, it might have been more than two days because I think I turned my tent into a house, which I think is like a third or fourth day thing. I don't know. Um, anyway. Animal Crossing New Horizons played it to death eventually got kind of sick of it like because i was playing it like i've said eight to twelve hours a day every day during march 2020 and uh some, some like sometimes you just once you once you're a little bit sick of a thing you get really sick of a thing really fast and now i just never want to do it again um it's it's that kind of an energy I look at people playing Animal Crossing. Again, I'm very happy that they're playing it. Uh, more, more power to them. Just not really for me. On the other hand, we have Final Fantasy III Pixel Remaster. Final Fantasy III is one of the weirdest Final Fantasy games ever. There are so many steps in the plot where it's like, how am I supposed to know that that's the next step? Final Fantasies 1 and 2 are amazing. Final Fantasy III is like not completely unplayable, but it's a major step down. I am shocked that the head writer of Final Fantasies 1 and 2 is also the head writer of Final Fantasy 3, because 3 is so much worse than 1 and 2. It's a complete step backward in every way. Also, you get a bunch of vehicles in Final Fantasy 3, but the vehicles are kind of limited on what they can do. Like, towards the end of the game, you get this mega airship that can go over mountains, but can it just generally go over mountains? No. Instead, it, like, like you go to the right spot, and you push the button, 
and it like hops over the mountain and then goes back to the normal flight level where it can't go over the mountains. So like it turns mountain ranges with gaps and stuff into like little mazes where you have to watch this little hopping animation over and over. Like, why would you? Ah, it's not good. I don't like it. But I mean, I beat it. I beat it. I could still like it's generally when I'm not specifically being annoyed. It's still got pleasing Final Fantasy graphics and pleasing Final Fantasy music. And you walk around a dungeon, you open treasure chests and you fight monsters. So, you know, it's still three out of five. It's just not five out of five like the like the good ones are. Final Fantasy 3 or New Horizons? Oh, I'm going to pick New Horizons. No, no, I'm going to pick Final Fantasy 3. Actually, wait, I'm allowed to pick a tie. Yeah, 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 this feels like a tie. I'm allowed to pick a tie. Uh, how do I, how can I tell? Let's do one and one. There, okay, now I can tell in the preview thingy that, uh, oh wait. Okay, yeah, so they have zeros versus other games that don't have anything submit yet have like a little pencil graphic. I get it, I get it, okay. Uh, Final Fantasy X versus Life is Strange Chapter 1. Life is Strange Final Fantasy X I've talked about before. I don't think I need to go into it anymore. It's really, really good. Life is Strange Chapter 1. Uh, I played it because it was free and I didn't feel the need to do Final Fantasy or Life is Strange Chapter 2. Um, there's like one or two spots in Life is Strange Chapter 1 that count as like, like a puzzle. Like you have to know what to do or whatever. But I didn't feel that they were a very good puzzle um the the story was okay but actually playing the game no good this is another one of those it'd be better as a movie type things you know so we're gonna give it to final fantasy 10 and move on because we're already running slower than i was expecting um pikmin 4 versus final fantasy 15 i played a few hours of final fantasy 15 because it is the abnormal mapping december 2023 video game and i said oh i want to be familiar with what they're going to talk about never played 15 before actually i i played like three years of it or three hours of it when i rented it from the library earlier this year and i was like this is weird and then i took it back to the library so now i uh got it on sale for like eight bucks or whatever the Royal Edition, with whatever DLCs that means, I don't know. And, uh, I played it for like seven and a half hours. I probably understand less about Final Fantasy XV than I did before playing that seven and a half hours, you know? Um, there was, there's an evil empire they betray the kingdom so that the kingdom's shield goes down so the evil empire can invade you are the prince protagonist and you have to like recover ancient weapons to power up so that you can fight back the evil empire and restore your kingdom and stuff uh a guy shows up at one point and he's like hey you should go to the volcano thing i guess i wasn't exactly paying attention at that point so i was just like 
like, yeah, whatever you say, dude. And we go to the volcano thing, and then Titan was there, and he's like, like just a heck off huge Titan guy, and he's it was like just this garbage fight. I hated that fight. Um, and you eventually beat Titan. And I don't know why that Titan fight existed at all. I asked, I asked in the NoCat Discord, and people were like, oh, it'll, it'll make sense when you replay the game. And I'm like, why would anyone ever play this game even one entire time? Um, and then later, like, I go to this military base, and I'm sneaking around like it's Metal Gear. But if I want to sneak around a, a military base, I'm going to play Metal Gear Solid Five and I'm a better time than Final Fantasy XV. And then I had to, like, follow this guy. Like, the minigame was to hide in the shadows as this guy walks around a path and then and then like follow him and if you get spotted you like lose instantly um and i kept getting spotted by like i couldn't even tell where the guards that were spotting me were so that sucked uh and then after you do all that you like you knock out the guy and then this dragoon lady comes up she's doing her dragoon thing where she like jumps super high and comes down and all that but then like once you weaken her down She's just like, well, I guess I uh, don't care too much about this fight. I'm going to go. And then like, what? Why, why did that happen? And I asked in the NoCat Discord and people were like, oh, yeah, you uh, like you're going to see her again. Maybe like if you just one side quest. And then she's like, oh, yeah, I'm not fighting you anymore. And then you guys are like, yeah, OK. And then and then you just chill with her. And I'm like, what is happening? So, like, I don't know if I'm going to play more Final Fantasy XV uh, before before November's over. I, I'll probably play at least one more time. Final Fantasy XV, I, I hadn't played it before I played sixteen, and I really didn't like sixteen. and uh, 15 explains to me how sixteen got to be the way it was in a way that Previous to having played 15, I was completely baffled. How could 16 be so bad? And then I looked at 15 and I'm like, oh, that's how it's that bad. On the other hand, we have Pikmin 4, which is the perfect incarnation of Pikmin, which is the perfect genre of video game. So obviously we're going to give our uh, points to that. Uh, Chia versus Spalder's Hate Siege of Dragonspear. <clears throat> Chia is very good. Um, Wind Waker type. I feel like I've talked about Chia just the other day. Yes. Yes, I talked about Chia because Chia was nominated for one of the categories in um, the the Game Awards things. Yeah, Chia. I really like Chia. Um, it's like a, like a Wind Waker sailing, uh, collecting stuff, like primarily non-violent video game or at least like not like swords and guns violent like there are like cloth golems that the bad guys have and you like pick up like bits of fire fiery wood or like exploding rocks or whatever and you throw it at the cloth golems and then they, they catch on fire and they burn up um it's just it's just delightful it's like a game where you can you can have peaceful vibes like the peaceful vibes of animal crossing is also the peaceful vibes of Chia. Just going around, collecting some stuff, if you want to collect some stuff. On the other hand, Baldur's Gate Siege of Dragonspear is a pretty good win. Um, 
Baldur's Gate Siege Dragonspear is a full expansion to Baldur's Gate. It's not just like a little tiny DLC of extra items or whatever. It's it's a new expansion that attempts to fill in some of the timeline between Baldur's Gate 1 and 2. And I think it's a resounding success. It is it is so good. The, the encounter design, they have it totally totally zoned in, totally narrowed in, totally, totally precisely done. Um, because it's in, you know, Baldur's Gate 1 and Baldur's Gate 2, they're basically the same engine, just like higher and lower levels. And so the people that do see, that did Siege of Dragonspear were able to look at all of the stuff that had been in 1 and 2. They were able to carefully um, set up encounters, but also, like, with an additional 20 years of experience of, like, from other game series coming back and saying like oh maybe we should do this maybe we should do that so um the quests are all pretty cool i like doing the quests i like doing the fights it all builds up to a big dramatic thing at the end uh love it siege dragon spear aces um so we'll give the points to siege dragon spear this time uh final fantasy 16 versus a point and click game called silence silence if it were any other game Silence is a fine point-and-click game that you can also get on the PlayStation where uh, during an air raid or something, a uh, brother and sister get sent into a magical world. Like, they're hiding in their home during an air raid, and then the power goes out and everything goes black, and then they, like, get narnia into a magical world, but the little sister is kidnapped, and so the boy has to go save his sister. Um, classic story. And... Then the, uh, it's like a, like a point and click game. I think that it doesn't work as well. I tried to play it on the PS5. I don't think it works so well on the PS5 because you have to like move your indicator around to like highlight the right stuff and things as opposed to, it's, it's not as casual and easy as just like hovering your mouse quickly on different things. So I think it didn't work as well. I think. If I were wanting to play that sort of a game, but I had, but I actually had the mouse, if I'd gotten this on Steam instead, I think I would have been pretty delighted with this game. Um, there were like elements of magic and mystery about some some mysterious things were afoot. Um, there was tales of like witches and knights and stuff like that. Just just in the little bit that I played. So. Uh, yeah, could be good. I don't know. Final Fantasy 16, on the other hand, was just a... I, I mentioned also Final Fantasy 16 during the, the Game Awards episode, and wow, is it not good. Um, the, story, the story hates women so much. Listeners, the story of Final Fantasy 16 hates women more than... Any other game I played this year, more than I any other game I can remember playing. Final Fantasy 16 is so misogynistic. I just it also has a bunch of stuff about how there's a whole bunch of slaves and stuff, and like there's one country, like that the hero's country, his his slaves are treated the best of all the other slaves. So it's good that they like, when there are slaves, it's good that they live 
in the hero's country and they can have the best slave lives out of all the slaves. And I'm like, fuck. And then, and then, and then the big boss at the end is also like not interesting. He's like, oh, you're going to, I'm going to destroy the world and harvest everyone. Except, except his voice is the most boring monotone. They asked the voice actor to speak as boringly as possible. Um, so the entire world's fucked. All the people are bad. I don't want any of the people uh, practically. Well, okay. Maybe Cl the people in Clive's hideout and like the other bearers are fine. But like all the non-bearers, I don't want any of them to be alive at the end of the video game. If there was an ending where I could specifically get all of them to be killed and only the bearers live and then like they, uh, they make it through the end of the world and into the next world, like the Ragnaroking. I might like that, but, you know, everyone is just, it's, everything is so miserable. I just, I don't even, ugh, it's disgusting. So, um, we're going to give the point to silence and we'll hit submit scores. <clears throat> A Plague Tale Innocence is one of those sneaky game like it's like a stealthy type game like you you are a girl who is like 14 or whatever and you have a younger brother and you have to sneak past guards that are part of the inquisition that are trying to find you for being a heretic and they will immediately kill you if they find you also a plague is happening so in addition to all the human guards there's also like swarms of rats and stuff wow oh, oh, it's all grizzly um, I liked it. I, I think that the game, so I got the second one from the library and then I liked that enough that I got the first one on sale and played about half of the first one. Um, and then like I looked in a little guide and there was like upgrades that you can get. And the guide was like, yeah, if you don't do your upgrades carefully, you can accidentally screw yourself over a little bit. And I was like... Well, I haven't been doing my upgrades very carefully, so... Uh, and then I just stopped playing it. But, you know, it was fun. I really like the... The environments all look great. The Like, all in the costumes. Everything looks really cool. It's visually very impressive. And the fire and the rats, everything looks really good. Um, I just didn't like how, how hard... It, like, even on the easiest mode, I would still die and have to do some of the little uh, segments over again more often than I would have cared to do. You know, that's really the problem with a stealth game. They just, they don't have a way, they don't conceive of letting the player just freaking go through it, you know? Um, We also have Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel, which has been recommended to me 10,000 trillion times by Ashura. Love you, buddy. Um, and... Uh, it's good. It's a good video game. It's a solid JRPG. You got um, elements. You got gems. The gems teach you spells. The spells have elements. So they're kind of like materia. And then they go into slots. And when they go into slots on different weapons, they like give stats or something. But it doesn't really matter because you can set the game to easy and then your characters just chop everything up. And you like... 
you have this there's like a when you when like when you go into a fight you're in a fight scene right and you, you have two characters at a time that are like linked so there's these little lines stretching between them on the ground and they move around there's like a range of what powers they can use and then they can like chop monsters and the monsters can like do breath weapons and stuff and if that whole thing like i can imagine that it would be really cool to have pokemon in that sort of an environment like you got, you got a bunch of little monsters and they're like taking turns moving around shooting vine whips and and, and embers and stuff like all all sorts of stuff that'd be really cool um the actual story i'm not far enough in to really know what's happening you start off towards the end of the game and it's uh well you start off towards the end of the storyline in medias res uh is it is it medias or media i really i really need to know and it is medias um why why do so many people say in media res Is in in medias res versus in media res. Grammar choice. Latin language stack exchange. Why in medias res and not in media res? Uh, you're confusing two words. The noun medium means center. The adjective medius means central. Okay, so it's it's literally grammatically wrong if you don't make it medias. Um, okay, so you start at the end of the game and you the end of the world is happening and the bad nation is a invading with a whole bunch of like mechs on trains. I think I remember, and then they shoot a giant laser and everyone's like what? And then the screen goes to white, um, and then. It starts back at the start of the school year and like you're at this military academy and like you're going to meet all the people and you're going to build up all these relationships and presumably you're going to get back towards the end where the the bad nation invades with trains or whatever. Um, I like it, but it's like it's like a JRPG where, I'm, where like I want to be paying attention to the story, but unfortunately that conflicts with a bunch of other games that i'm playing where like you know like i can't just watch a tv show while i'm playing legend of heroes so i actually haven't gotten to a legend of heroes as much as i would like but i would definitely like i'm gonna take it over plague tale innocence because plague tale innocence like makes me not want to play the game because it is so hard and trails of cold steel is inviting me to play more of the game constantly <clears throat> what do we got next oh my gosh i may have to do this multi-part because i've already been talking for an hour and a half um yeah i'm gonna take a break and uh i'll be back in a bit all right <clears throat> let's try a little bit more of this we are now listening to the afro lo-fi channel their neo soul lo-fi instrumental music to vibe and work to which let's see maybe we can turn this down just a hair yeah that seems right I do like it. <clears throat> um, so next up, and this is match 19. I'm not getting through this as fast as I was hoping. 
Uh, Tears of the Kingdom, which I've talked about before. Basically, I was hoping for more beautiful scenic vistas and outside stuff. And what I got was a bunch of gross caves and I didn't like it. It broke my expectations, parentheses, derogatory. Um, on the other hand, we have Drongen, Dungeons of Ink and Paper, um, which is like a first person um, walk around and fight stuff type game. It, you could compare it to like Daggerfall or like Elder Scrolls 1 or whatever. It's got that kind of an interface. Um, I think wizardry is that is that am I thinking of the right thing? It's got something like that. Um, Deej really liked it. Um, I found it confusing. I didn't really know what I was doing, and when I died the first time, I said to myself, "I don't need to play any more of this." Um, sorry, Deej. Um, so yeah, there were parts of the game I didn't like, but it definitely beats Drawn Jim. So we'll give that the win. Um, the Final Fantasy II Pixel Remaster versus The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog is really good. Um, if you are unfamiliar, it, I put it as a um, Patreon episode that it was early access. So even if you're not a Patreon, you a Patreon patron, you can go to the Patreon and you can listen to me and my brother play one hour of The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, it is a free uh like adventure mystery game um that's on steam it's like an official sega game and everything it's uh it was fun we definitely had fun doing the voices we might have had more fun doing the voices doing that than the actual game on its own necessarily is interesting but you know you know how it is when you're doing a thing um final fantasy 2 pixel remaster is really really good i like the um like the way you level up is like through usage and so when you get when you use the the boosts to make you level up faster instead of just giving you four times experience they give you four times the effect of what would normally train your um stuff except there's like enemy classes or something like like enemy tiers and so different enemies will have um like there's a cap on how high a thing can be trained versus that enemy basically so like you can just like like you get your weapon level up to four in the early game and then like everyone can just have all their weapons at level four and you can swap around weapons so that like people level up different weapon skills and stuff but your skills won't instantly shoot up to like rank 16 at the start of the game um and then as you start to fight like higher enemies with like a higher difficulty class then that will have a higher cap so then like everyone's weapons will start going up to six and then everyone will stay at six for a while i think that it actually really really works out it makes it super fun to like both like fast forward leveling of like an old game that had too much grinding but also like it keeps you at at just the right thing it reminds me of the uh the star system from chrono cross where like you beat a boss and you get more stars and then that's really what powers you up um like you you're hitting checkpoints of like you're going through far enough through the game i like it i like it or final fantasy 2 pixel remaster the story is cool um could it be a little bit better sure it could be a little bit better 
Like, it's a, it's a Nintendo game. There's only so much space for text and stuff. It could be a little bit more fluent and stuff if you wanted to, like, make a totally new one these days. You could give it a new script. But yeah, it's basically awesome. You go around, you fight the Empire. Um, so we'll get Final Fantasy 2, that victory. Summer in Mara, which is a... Um, go around your island and like farm and then you go into town and you like do little quests and stuff it's like sort of cute cozy i wouldn't say animal crossing like exactly um but like it's it's actually not far from say chia except you don't sail your boat more like you just sort of waypoint from island to island i think i didn't do too much with going to the other island before i eventually stopped playing it but yeah um like you do a bunch of your little tasks and you like get I forget what you're trying to get in that one anyway um Elliot liked it uh they they had a good time playing Summer and Mara and on their recommendation I also tried it out and like I can see what Elliot appreciates about it it's not exactly my my type of game but like I don't regret playing it for two hours or whatever Tomb Raider 2013, on the other hand, is a giant waste of your time. You shouldn't play Tomb Raider 2013. It just gets Laura Croft killed. If you want a video game that will allow you to have Laura Croft get killed over and over, and you can feel bad as her corpse ragdolls around the scene yet again, then play Tomb Raider 2013. I said it's an easiest mode, and I still couldn't get the quick time events all the time. I don't... Easy mode apparently doesn't affect the difficulty of the quick time events or something like it affects combat attack and damage but not having to get all the button timings right i guess is my guess because i got laura croft killed a bunch of times there was a spot where like where you're hiding in a portion of an abandoned shed as like a killer is going around and Laura's like hiding and her hands are like tied up and stuff because she's just escaped from the moments ago and she's she's hiding and then the guy like he hears her and he, he like grabs her through the wall and he pulls her out of the shed and he's about to shoot her in the head and then you're like you're like pushing the button to like knock the guard around and like the, the gun goes flying and then everyone goes for the gun and then like he's holding the gun but Laura's got her hands around his wrists and you're supposed to like mash the button and if you don't mash the button right, then he'll turn it towards her and shoot her and she dies. And if you do push the button right, then she like she just gets him instead. And either way, someone's getting shot in the head. And I'm like, oh, this game is so bloody and gory. I don't think I need this. I didn't I didn't really raid a tomb. I played it for like three or four hours before eventually being like, what the heck is all this? I'm done with this. I don't think I raided any tombs. It was just Laura Croft getting brutalized in the woods simulator 28 2013. Anyway. Eternites versus Mineko's Night Market. Eternites, uh really good. I actually haven't finished it. Um, because it's another it's, the problem again is that like I, I wanna spend time and focus on it, but I'm off I'm doing a lot of other things. So like like games that require less complete attention actually get more of my playtime than games that where I have to like really sit and look at what's happening. 
Like, you know, you can play Pokemon while you're doing something. You can play a lot of Zelda while you're doing stuff. You know what I mean? Eternites is great. It is, uh, there's like an end of the world and there's a few survivors and you, you get onto a train. And so the world is like haunted and you have to go through the haunted stuff to destroy these cores so that you can break through these two walls and then break to the source of the hauntedness. And you're like on a schedule, like in Persona, where like each day you can interact with a party member or like build up your stats or whatever. And then you can go to the dungeon and once you get through the dungeon, that like advances it to the next game to the next stage and there's like a deadline of how long you have before you can go to the dungeon and like you have to finish that dungeon and stuff um i really like it it's it's made by exactly one person and for a game made by exactly one person it's it's a killer i could never make anything that good damn min echoes night market is a uh a cutesy Animal Crossing genre game. I played a bunch of examples. I've, we, we've talked about examples. I've talked about examples of other games in this sort of genre. And I tried out Maneko's Night Market. It was fun. It was cute. The writing was really on point. And the only reason that I set it down was, in fact, that I basically don't actually like this genre of game. You know? Um, but... Uh, business simulation video game is how it's put so yeah yeah it's not like that you're building the town or whatever like you're going around and doing stuff and then you have items that you can sell at the weekly um at the weekly market like you get a market stall and you can sell off stuff and then you can use the, that money to like buy more things and craft more stuff i guess um yeah it's a cool game it looks good it's written well if you like that sort of cutie, cozy type thing, I would certainly try Maneko's Night Market, but we're gonna give it to Eternites. Uh, let's see. Ghosts of Sush Ghost of Tsushima versus Adelier Ryza 3, Alchemist of the End and the Secret Key. I played Ghost of Tsushima. It has uh combat that is something between assassin's creed odyssey and the souls like you and the opponent square off and you're kind of maneuvering around each other and then like the opponent lights up red and you have to dodge at the right moment or like it lights up gold and then you have to weapon block at the right moment or whatever right you have, you have to you have to hit the right counter button and then and then like once you've once you've countered their attack then you can go and, and get your own attack in and generally you'll like each kill each other in like one hit right like you can you can sidestep slash and then and then like you've cut off their whole head or whatever and then um so it's it's got pretty intense combat but i was still able to like play it like i would certainly die sometimes but like when i reloaded and tried again i could usually get it so uh i like I like tense, tense but beatable combat. Very, very good. Um, and then it's got like you, you run around. Your, your dad was killed when the Mongols invaded Japan. 
I guess, and you're like the last one, you're the last noble of your family, and you've got to like, or maybe he was captured or something, I don't know. You've got to go around and do all sorts of open world stuff, and then at the end, I'm sure you fight the boss as it's like an open world-ish game. It's not too long. Um, I think How Long to Beat has it at like 30, 35 hours, not like, not like 60, 70 hours. Um, but it looks very pretty. The way that the game like tells you where to go is sort of like, like when you have a quest set, the wind will kind of blow around you and you'll see little wind lines like going off in the direction that the game wants you to go. And that's how it does the, the like quest path thing, which is very nice. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't break the tone of the game of being in medieval Japan to like offer this non-diegetic quest mark quest directiony thing. Um, which is not to say that it's all perfectly diegetic. There's definitely a bunch of questy stuff. There's little UI elements popping up. It's like, oh, there's a blacksmith over here and there's a, the blacksmith symbol over a guy so that you know who to talk to and stuff. Um, but every little bit helps. So having the wind thing is nice. Um, I like it. It's a it's a solid game as much as I played, which is again not too many hours. But uh, hey, what you gonna do? Versus Adelaide Rise of Three, which is like it's it's all the cool stuff from Adelaide Rise of Two, but now it's even cooler than before. Um, I love going around. I love fighting the monsters. I love crafting the things. I love feeling a little weak versus the local monsters when you get to a new area. But getting to the new area allows you to start picking up additional types of items which you can then craft new types of things when you go back to the shop back to the atelier and then like you put on your new stuff and then you can fight the monsters it's a really good loop it's it's so pleasing so delightful i think the only way to improve the game would be to have uh english dubbed uh audio because it has no dub it's just subtitles i'm gonna give this one to rise of three we're gonna move on. Baldur's Gate 3, which is a total trash game versus Honkai Star Rail, which is also a trash interface to a good game. Um, Honkai Star Rail. I've talked about both these at the, uh, the Game Awards episode. <clears throat> um, X3 Terran Conflict, which I couldn't figure out the controls to make it work with my joystick, which is uh, really not good. And because uh, that's it's like a space, it's like a space haul stuff around and trade it to merchants type game. Um, and then it didn't work with my joystick. How can you have a spaceship game that doesn't work with my joystick? Or at least it did work with my joystick, but like all the on-screen controls only told me what keyboard button to push. They didn't say like you know push button twelve on your joystick to do the thing. And so that was not good. Bad tutorial. Um. I only, I only played it because I already had it in my Steam library from some bundle or something. Versus uh, Dordon. Dordon has... Uh, it looks like a watercolor painting come to life. It has a lot of stuff where like this girl goes to her grandmother's house that she spent time with when she was a child. Her grandmother is, I guess, dead now. And she... Like, as you look around at stuff in the present, then you go into the memories of the past and you like remember how it was when she first came to her grandmother's house and stuff 
I didn't like doing it with a PlayStation controller. I felt like I, there was too many fiddly small things that were like, you have to like move the syrup over your pancakes to pour the syrup and like pick the orange juice and pour it in your cup. And like, like you have to do every little thing. And basically I was kind of interested in the story between the girl and her grandmother, but I didn't want to do all the fiddly game bits. So once again, we have another game held back by its gameplay elements. However, I'm willing to put it above X3 Terran Conflict. So we'll mark that down. Uh, Yeez 8 Lacrimosa of Dana, which is uh, adventure 3D game, run around, swing a sword type JRPG thing, uh, which I only played, I've only played a little bit of. I keep playing only, I had it on Switch, then I got on PS5, and I never get too deep into it because, again, I think I want to play a lot of that game, you know? But I don't have the time. Versus Genshin Impact, which I played because it was free, and also a friend wanted to watch me play it, so I played it for like two hours. And then I spent all of my free, like starting, like at the start of an account, you get some premium currency so you can do some polls for free. And I'm like, okay. And then I just did the polls, and none of the poll results were interesting, so I said, okay, I'm done. And then I uninstalled Genshin Impact. And, you know for the amount of time that I spent on it, it wasn't that great. Uh, it certainly could have been a lot better. So we'll give this to Ease 8. Uh, the Legend of Zelda. This means the NES one versus a Pokemon trading card game. And I love you, The Legend of Zelda. You're great, but actually you're not as good as the Pokemon trading card game. Although the Pokemon trading card game does have some very rough parts to it, such as you can really get screwed. The way that you that you grow your deck is you have to beat other trainers. They give you boosters. The boosters contain random cards, but they don't actually have the complete set of random cards. Like when you get two jungle boosters, any given trainer, there's like seven cards in a booster and any given trainer only has like 10 cards that they can drop like it's not every it's not a completely random any card a jungle can drop from this trainer like each trainer has a very tight list so you have to know which trainers to face off against that your deck can reliably beat and then you have to beat them enough times to get the card that you want but the good cards like cards can appear in your deck up to four times so you have to beat them four or more times to because like you're not guaranteed the card so you have to beat them enough times to get the card that you want sometimes up to like a 4x if you really want to like it like if you really want to lean into it that part's all very rough but i love playing those little trading card matches so even though it's hard even though it's kind of hard I'm gonna like playing the matches is more fun than playing Zelda one. I'm sorry. Sorry Zelda one um, So we're gonna give that trading card game uh, Dragon Age Inquisition, which is a game that I really hate uh, it starts off Like like it starts off like immediately at the end Dragon Age 2 goes into Dragon Age Inquisition or something like you're, you're really in Medias Res But you don't you don't go back and explain how you got there exactly. And then a bunch of people say a bunch of stuff and it's like, 
everyone's racist against elves, I think. And then the actual gameplay is like you hold, like you, you, you hold R2, like or you tap R2 over and over and over and your character like swings a sword a whole bunch. No part of playing Dragon Age Inquisition, at no part did I ever say to myself, yeah, I'm enjoying myself now. So five bucks wasted. Uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, uh, practically a perfect video game. The only way, like, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic could be better is if the interface for interacting with the game mechanics were better. Like, like on the, on the Switch, you, like, you pause and unpause with L, and then you push R to cycle the active character and stuff, and that's all a little clunky. Um, if it was, like, push start to pause and unpause and then l and r cycle left and right through your character roster for example that could be good or like select to pause like i don't know what select is doing or minus they call it on the switch these days because i'm playing this on the on the switch um i just think that there's better ways the interface could have been designed uh but other than other than the interface being a little bit janky uh definitely Huge props to Knights of the Old Republic. Go listen to a more civilized age. Submitting that. <laughs> Horizon Zero Dawn versus Final Fantasy 1 Pixel Remaster. Few things could beat Final Fantasy 1 Pixel Remaster, but Horizon Zero Dawn actually does it because I really love the uh, voice performances and the character performances. They're very strong. So the actual going around, shooting of the dinos, whatever. That's all normal it's normal it's good even i don't super care for it but you know it serves its purpose it sets the tone uh the action like the quick time actiony jumpy stuff that's fine i don't really care about it but i really love the story performances of uh ayla doing her like being all surprised at everything around her and stuff all the time. And then, um, the Lance Reddick, I don't remember what his character is. It was Lance Reddick. It's, 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 they put his face in the video game. And he's like the mysterious, like sneaky guy that's doing sneaky stuff. And then there's the, the Sun King and all the, yeah, I love it. I love it. So we're going to give it to Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles versus Sea of Stars. Crystal Chronicles I played quite a bit of and I was planning to get all the achievements of because there's only seven achievements and uh, I just would have had to grind out more uh, dungeon things. Maybe I'll get back to it. Maybe someday I will get a platinum on Crystal Chronicles. In fact, uh, in fact I think I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to install it right now. Let me just uh, turn on the PS5. <clears throat> Sea of Stars, uh, I mentioned this in the Game Awards episode. I played a little bit. I thought that the story was like the most boring thing that I that I could have been excited for and then disappointed by that it actually was boring. Um, and then like as soon as the combat started for real, I started to have to do action command combat. Like you don't you don't have to do I want to be clear. Some people got on my case because I said that you have to do action commands, but actually you don't have to do action commands. You only have to do action commands if you want the bonus damage. But frick off with that. Like, don't tell me that there are action commands 
and then say that there's like an easy mode or whatever, and then not have the easy mode handle the action commands for me. Like, like, pretend that I got 80% of the bonus, like just give me a locked in 80% of whatever the bonus amount would be and just lock it there for the entire game. I would be fine with that. Like, I don't, I don't have to have it locked at 100%. But just like, if you're gonna say that there's an easy mode and you're gonna say that they're not actually important, then actually make them not, like take it off my plate entirely, you know? I don't know. I get too worked up about this. Uh, so Crystal Chronicles, uh, practically, so so I'm playing the, the Crystal Chronicles remaster version, which is on the PlayStation and Switch and mobile. Uh, not on, it's not actually multiplayer-ish very easily you can play online but like the there's not many people playing so the matchmaking is garbage um but you know that's how that's how these games go sometimes uh alma a wildlife adventure which is a fine game that i played an hour of and if i had unlimited time Maybe I play the other three hours. It seemed like a sh like it it was supposed to be a short game, and I tried it, and I'm like, yeah, this is cozy and fine. On the other hand, we have Planescape Torment, which is such a good game. It's 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 so delightful to have a floating skull and a gazeri, and you're going around town meeting weird people, and they're asking you weird stuff. And you having to give them weird answers. I just love it. It's 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 the bizarre energy. It's so good. So we're gonna hit Planescape Torment on that. Sorry, Alba. The Last Guardian, which is a really cool game. If only it controlled better, and if only I liked 3D uh, half platform adventure puzzles. Um, on the other hand, we have Kingdom Hearts Final Mix, which is. Oh, if only I, I, it's a game that's cool. If only it controlled better. And if only I liked the sort of half platformy uh, puzzle things. Like, like both of these games. It's really funny that it was arranged this way. Both of these games have slightly awkward controls. Um, and so I've heard, like, I've heard people say, not just my brother, but I've heard other people say that like the, Part of what makes Kingdom Hearts interesting is the way it platforms. And like, if you tried to fix the platforming, it would ruin the game or whatever. But I don't know, maybe the game needs to be ruined. I don't care. I, If people are happy with Kingdom Hearts how it is, if, if Kingdom Hearts fans really love it how it is, then don't change it. Because I want the Kingdom Hearts fans to be happy. Because they need it. Um, Kingdom Hearts wins, I should to be clear. Last Guardian. Last Guardian's fine. It's fine. You know what? You know what? In The Last Guardian, you get these little barrels with gems stuck in out of them, and you can feed them to the dog. And I thought, yeah, let's do that. Let's go around. Let's get let's get gem barrels. Let's feed them to our dog. And then I look it up, and what is it? What happens if you feed enough gem barrels to the dog? Nothing. You get like an achievement. Like that's it. Like it doesn't make the job the dog jump bigger or anything. I was. I was not uh, excited. <clears throat> the next match, hilariously, is Star Ocean the Second Story R versus Star Ocean First Departure R. Now, 
I like Star Ocean the First Departure. But when you get to the second continent, suddenly all the monsters are just way tougher. Like they it, they can just they can just kick your ass. And I didn't want to grind through that. So I stopped playing. And I said, that's yeah, fine. I've played enough to eventually play Star Ocean the Second Story. And I'm really glad that I played Star Ocean the Second Story. Because it's amazing. It's so good. The interface is good. The mo moving around the world is good. The characters are fun. It's just an absolute delight. Everyone, everyone, I don't, I don't fully endorse Star Ocean First Departure, but I fully endorse Star Ocean the Second Story R. Um. Next up, Turnip Boy. Uh, I think it's, I think the full title is Turnip Boy Commits Tax Evasion. Um, which is like a, uh, a 2D Zelda-y like type game. You go around some little fixed screens, you swing a sword. And on the other hand, we have Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition. Um, I don't have too much to say about Turnip Boy. Um, I did like two dungeons of it. There are, I don't know how many dungeons. If it's a quote-unquote full-sized Zelda-like, then there would be eight dungeons. But maybe there's just like, you know, five or six. Or even four would be fine. Uh, I liked Turnip Boy. If I had been willing to play a single game for longer, I could definitely imagine. Like, it, it, it had interesting enough stuff. I could definitely imagine playing that whole game if I had unlimited time. Balls Gate Enhanced Edition, uh, they took a really cool thing and they made it slightly better and works on modern console, consoles and uh, desktop PCs and stuff. It's really good, Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition. It's Baldur's Gate 1 uh, is the best Baldur's Gate in the Baldur's Gate series. Oh! No, but seriously, it's it's very good. I don't, I don't think that Baldur's Gate 2 is actually a clear winner over Baldur's Gate 1. And Baldur's Gate 3 is definitely worse. Everspace 2, I has a Everspace 2 had a demo on Steam, and I tried the demo, and this is when I was trying out my joystick that I had hooked up to the PC. I had tried it out for X3. And the demo of Everspace 2 wouldn't recognize my joystick. It claimed that it had a joystick and keyboard mode, and that didn't work. And then it had a joystick only mode, and that didn't work. And then I looked online and people are like, oh yeah, you're basically supposed to be, like you, you can't use joysticks in the space game. And I'm like, what, what the hell? Who would, who would do that? On the other hand, we have Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is completely great. Um, it's a shame that Final Fantasy VII Remake kind of requires you to play the original Final Fantasy VII and have that as like background context. And in that sense, uh, 7 Remake is really inaccessible. Um, it asks a lot, but if you have that background context, I think it's very, very fun to see this AU going on. I love it. Uh, so we'll pick Final Fantasy 7 Remake there. Um, Rise of the Tomb Raider. So I got Tomb Raider 2013 for like $5, and I had a hard time with it, but then... But then my friend Mighty was like, oh, you know, maybe try the next one. So I tried the next one for like another $5. And he's like, yeah, I think they fixed a lot of the problems. And uh, I was able to get farther in Rise of the Tomb Raider. I was definitely able to get farther. Like I got a machine gun at one point. I was I was gunning down people. 
Um, but it still had the same basic problem where like I couldn't I couldn't get the action commands. I don't I don't know why it's so hard, but it's really hard, and you get Laura killed a lot, and that makes me sad. On the other hand, we have Goodbye Volcano High, which is uh on a really amazing. It's not exactly a visual novel, exactly. It's more like a, I would I would describe it as a choose, as a as a as a cartoon show with some choice elements to it. I don't know how many choices you can actually make that have like big impacts on the flow of the story. Really, I think you're mostly choosing small impact things. <clears throat> but. Uh, it's got full animation and full voicing, unlike a visual novel, which is generally really heavy on the text with stock images. Um, Good Rob Volcano High, uh, really, 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 really great. Oh, we're getting close, we're getting close. Near Automata, which I tried for a few hours and I don't think I like how it does the levels where you do the fights too much. And I definitely don't like the parts in between the levels where you're like going to the quest and stuff everything looks kind of bad like i don't like the art direction at all it's very permanently displeasing on the other hand we have sword and fairy 7 which is pretty much kind of cool it's like a chinese action adventure game set in fantasy china stuff and there's demons and they're trying to invade the world and they have to kidnap a child to do it and then like the first attempt is thwarted but then they're like your hero characters have to like go investigate more magic stuff to like because like the demons are going to come back with a better plan later and so you have to go like get more um magic juice to power up your your little fortress's defenses i think is what was happening and then there was like you go to the north and there's a snow level where you meet a giant ice wolf and then the giant ice wolf is like willing to team up with you and then when he does he turns small i think and it's like a little cute puppy pretty sure all that's real um and then I remember you sneak through a ninja fortress. And then that's where I stopped. Uh, but every everyone looked pretty. Everything looked great the whole time. It was certainly much better than Nier Automata. So we'll give that Sword and Fairy. And our last... Let's see, Horizon Forbidden West. Horizon Forbidden West seems like a pretty strict upgrade over Horizon Zero Dawn in terms of visualness. Um, and the game, like the game plays about the same. Everything just looks better and the motion capture is much better. Um, it's astounding. The only reason I stopped playing Horizon Forbidden West is because the um, there was a strike against EA that started that I think is still ongoing. I didn't hear about an ending. And so I decided to temporarily set the game down. Um, and when that strike is resolved, I mean, I know that they don't care whether or not I'm playing the video game that I've already purchased. But when that, when that, uh, when that strike is over, then I will continue to play Horizon Forbidden West. 
on the other hand, we have Star Trek Resurgence, which is a, a Telltale Adventure type game by, I think, people that formerly were Telltale employees. Telltale lays off so many people. There are so many former Telltale employees at this point. And the voice work on Star Trek Resurgence, solid. The, the, the writing on Star Trek Resurgence, good enough for a Trek episode. It's not, it's not world-class. It's not going to completely blow you away, but it's a solid Trek episode. If this was a Star Trek radio drama podcast that you were listening to, because I've listened to a few of those, then you'd listen to it and you'd be like, yeah, I'd tell my other Star Trek friends about this. This is cool. But the actual playing of Star Trek Resurgence is so garbage. All of the controls are bad. All of the actions feel bad. It's clunky. It's constantly uncomfortable. And the game doesn't really look that good either. Like, it looks like... It looks like kind of like... Like 80% done kind of look where you're like, Oh, yeah. You're gonna like add some like shaders and stuff and you're gonna make it like look a little bit better you're gonna polish it up and it'll be great but no the game was released like that and i'm like oh uh, everyone's skin is a little too shiny you know uh. so uh, uh we're gonna give forbidden west that round which completes our entire round one and uh that's it Given that we are at two hours of recording, I am going to pause the recording, finish up round two, and finish up the other rounds, and then I will come back with results. Okay? So, uh, see you soon. Hey again, friends. It's been a while. I actually had to stop partway through my... Um, my ranking process and i had to like go have a whole conversation about another thing with some people that were asking me some like technical questions you know but here we are we have from the stream of melodies channel the no copyright calm jazz music background chill cafe music relaxing work and study track and that's 46 minutes which i think is certainly enough time for us to describe the outcome now I put 13 Swiss rounds into this thing, and I said to myself, you know, what was it I said? I said Zodiac plus one. Around the 10th round, I was saying to myself, oh gosh, there's so many of these. Oh, do I, do I, is it really going to affect it in a significant way? Uh, doing 10 rounds versus doing 13 rounds, doing the extra three rounds, it couldn't, it couldn't possibly have a big effect, could it? Well, it had an effect. It didn't change the top four winners, but uh, place five and below did actually shift around quite a bit with just three extra rounds. So although it be uh, a great burden upon me to click little buttons, uh, I think I am inclined to do slightly more rounds than slightly less rounds on future um, future brackets. And I, I do kind of like this, um, I like the Swiss format, I think, more than the single or double elimination tournament. Um,
Yeah, I don't know. Um, cause I, cause I like, I like having a top ten that have all been uh, well vetted, so to speak. Not, um, not just one elimination and you're out. You know, cause your whims can affect it and so forth. This this jazz music is just so. Mm. It's very good. Okay. Now, as is tradition, of course, I think that we need to go from the bottom up. So this is the 76th game of the year. Uh, our number 76th game of the year. X3 Terran Conflict, Everspace 2. Of course, I described them as having controls issues. So they never, um, they never did very well. Uh, Tomb Raider 2013 is uh next um it had well let's see so in terms of wins lo wins loses and ties i don't know exactly who it won against i i copied it into uh like a spreadsheet here so i'm just going through the through the cells um but it had uh two wins it went two and eleven not very good uh next up we have Dragon Age Inquisition, Silence, Dordal, uh, Drongen, Dungeons of Ink and Paper, Sea of Stars, Baldur's Gate 3, coming in at 68. This is a little bit too much on the piano. Baldur's Gate 3 coming in at my number 68 game of the year. That is, that is my opinion on Baldur's Gate 3, folks. And you heard it here first. Now, I started playing a, a game of Baldur's Gate 3. Um, <clears throat> you can see it on the YouTube channel. The uh, the no commentary. Just, just, it's just the video, just the no commentary. And I'm doing a multiplayer with some friends as a way to get me through it. Because I, I want to I wanna kind of know. I want to be aware of what's in the game for, like, zeitgeist knowledge purposes. But gosh, I, I don't want to play that game. Um, next, we have... Doki Doki Literature Club Plus, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice, Genshin Impact, Coffee Talk. Uh, these are all about where we expect. Next, uh, of note, we have Final Fantasy 16 at number 63. Which, again, is about how much I think of Final Fantasy 16. I just... It has, like, one good fight. It has, like, two good fights. Titan Fight, Bahamut Fight, way cool. The rest of the time, I'm just... They could have done so much better. They could have done anything, and they chose to give us the game that we got. I don't... Hmm. Uh, counting down, we have Tales of Arise, The Last Guardian, God of War, Ragnarok, Life is Strange, Chapter 1, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Star Trek Resurgence, uh, at number 56, Notable Game, Final Fantasy 15. Uh not doing so well <clears throat> um animal crossing new horizons final fantasy 3 pixel remaster is down here at number 54 so it went five and seven it didn't do it didn't do well at all this is what i'm talking about final fantasies one and two great four great three no no 
Above that, Near Automata, God of War, 2064, Read Over Only Memories, Summer and Mara, Honkai Star Rail, Demon Souls at 48, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, A Plague Tale Innocence, Turnip Boy, um, Star Ocean First Departure R, Kingdom Hearts Final Mix, Nexamon, Cozy Grove, Dragon Quest V at number 40. So, I mentioned before Dragon Quest V was spoken of highly. I've heard other people speak highly of this game. I just, I played it like 10 or 12 hours. Maybe, maybe it gets good or whatever, but like, I don't know. Be a little more, get, get, be a little more pizzazz. I'm not saying it's like, it's like bad. Like Cozy Grove, Nexamon, Kingdom Hearts, Final Mix. These games, these are all fine games. They don't really have the pizzazz, you know? Actually, Kingdom Hearts, Kingdom Hearts uh, went 6-7. There's, there's a whole bunch of games that are all 6-7 here. Um, Kingdom Hearts, I can't play personally. Like, I'm really bad at playing it personally. I like the story of Kingdom Hearts. I, I absolutely adore the story of Kingdom Hearts. I'm just not able to play it, and I have to, like, make my brother play it while I sit nearby and watch him play it to sort of consume that game. So, um, you know. Uh, above Dragon Quest V, at number 39, we have Tears of the Kingdom. Number 38, Mass Effect Andromeda. That actually tracks. I did enjoy playing, Ma like... Mass Effect Andromeda, I tried to play it on normal, and I got killed, like, almost instantly, like, four times in a row, in, like, in the very, very first fight. And then I turned it to easy, and then I was able to kind of stumble my way through it. Um, so that's not good, exactly. But, like, when I was playing it, I basically approximately enjoyed playing Mass Effect Andromeda. I just didn't want to play it for, like, the next dozen, three dozen hours after doing the first camp setup. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima, Alba, The Wildlife Adventure, Legend of Zelda, Sword and Fairy 7, Yeez 8, The Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog, clocking in at 32, higher than you might expect for a free Steam game, but the fact that it's a free game really helps it, uh, really helps it win bouts. It went 7-6. Um, Murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. It was just it was just so delightful to do uh so so go listen, go listen to the patreon app if you haven't um really happy about that one uh Mineko's night market uh metal gear solid horizon forbidden west final fantasy 4 pokemon trading card game final fantasy crystal chronicles at number 26 uh legend of heroes legend of heroes trails of cold steel 25 baldur's gate only getting a 24 um, Final Fantasy 7, I was a teenage exocolonist, Persona 5 Royal, Final Fantasy 1, Chia, which I thought at the time was, oh, that's, that's surely going to be game of the year. It's so good. I like it so much. But you know, the more I, the more I step back from immediately playing it, it's good, but maybe, maybe not game of the year. In fact, it's 19th, 19 game of the year. Uh, Rise of 3, uh, love it. Uh, Keen Bridge of Spirits. Horizon Zero Dawn, Star Ocean, the second story R is 15. I know, I know I really like that game, but actually, apparently it only places 15. Uh, and here, like here we have a whole big list of eight, five games, like 20 up through seven, all went eight, five. And then there's a thing called the Bulch, 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 Bulch
The median bushels system is used to break ties in Swiss tournaments. The value displayed in the standings table is the sum of a player's opponent's scores with the best and worst scores discarded. So if you, I guess if you, if you go up against like better opponents, then that's, and you still manage to get the wins, then that's better for you. So, um, 20 all the way up through 7, all went 8-5, and then they just have different bushels ratings. B-U-C-H-H-O-L-Z is how it's spelled. Bushels, I guess. Um, number 15, Star Ocean Second Story R. 14, Pikmin 4. 13, uh, Final Fantasy 2. 12, Final Fantasy 7 Remake. 10, uh, I'm sorry, 11, Final Fantasy 10. This is where it starts to get contentious because normally you would, you you heard me talking about it last year. It was like, it was like Final Fantasy 10 was in like the top three last year, but that's where this Swiss thing kind of goes because some of these, some of these top games, like you got, you got to make them fight, fight against each other a whole lot to really determine how you feel. Final Fantasy 10 actually only places, um, at, at 11th place, at 10th place, we got Forspoken, and I think that's fair. Like, if, if we look in, like, just at this two, the, just this pair, Final Fantasy X versus Forspoken. Because 10 is a great story, don't get me wrong. Every time you want to talk to me about the Final Fantasy X story, I'm going to be like, yeah, that's a cool story. It's pretty well told, um, you know, for the time. It's great. Graphics, great. Aesthetic, art direction, that sort of thing, all great. But there's just some design decisions in Final Fantasy X and you're like, oh, well that could have been better, you know? And so having directly played more of Final Fantasy X since the last time I talked about Final Fantasy X, my opinion on Final Fantasy X has gone down just a tiny notch, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause, th cause this time, I was playing with my brother. We were trying to like get as many trophies as possible, you know, like like collect all the monsters, do the Chocobo racing, all that stuff. And that's all. That is so much heck crap. That's that's not good. It's it's difficult, fiddly stuff. Um, and that's really I think what's taken uh, Final Fantasy X down a bit. Um, so yeah. At 10, we have Forspoken. Forspoken, good game. I really don't... I like the tone of it. I, I understand why a lot of people don't like the tone of it, but I did. So, uh, heck. Uh, number nine, Baldur's Gate Siege of Dragonspear. Uh, I think I really talked it up earlier, and I think its placement is well-earned. Again, to the people that worked on Baldur's Gate Siege of Dragonspear, uh... Just congratulations. Well done. It's been a it's been a rough year in video games. There's a whole bunch of video game layoffs. And I hope that they have not faced any layoffs. Beam beam dog layoffs. Uh 26 staff have been laid off at the Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition Studio Beam Dog. Oh, that's. Hmm. 
many people have been saying that the uh that the game awards should also include like next to every game how many people that worked on this game have been laid off since you know uh, at the game awards or something like that like most l m laid off the most people uh as a category like per company or something and i think that's really fair you know if if these companies want to have uh the accolades they got to take the uh hmm admonishments no is that the word they got to take the lumps uh, number eight, we have Etronites. Uh, every time I was sort of waffling on should Etronites really win against this other game, I said to myself, look, it was made by one person. One person. And that always, well, not always, but that usually got Etronites over the line. Etronites went 8-5. It is our second from the top 8-5 game because right above Etronites in the rankings is Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, which is the most goofiest janky game but i love it uh i'm playing along with it again because of um a more civilized age is covering it and so I'm, I'm doing a play along and it's just nice it's just very nice you know um i i love i love a a D, &D like game that's real time with pause even if it's like third person over the shoulder instead of eagle-eyed or whatever just hmm, real time with pause uh number six is pillars of eternity it's one of our nine four games we have two nine four games pillars of eternity and Baldur's gate enhanced edition are jostling for that sixth place and fifth place but we got pillars of eternity at sixth because of the bushels score um it's it's very quality uh one of the main people that worked on it uh so sawyer is it josh sawyer pillars yeah josh sawyer uh is one of the one of the devs that worked on pillars of eternity he is like an like a maybe not public figure is exactly what i mean to say but he's he's an active poster he puts stuff on youtube and and twitter and stuff so if you want to like see little quips of like, he'll occasionally like mention what they were thinking when they were working on parts of a game or whatever, you can you can follow Josh Sawyer over on uh, over on the Twitters. Um, not gonna call it that other name, so we're gonna keep calling it Twitter. Uh, above that, so we have six Pillars of Eternity, five Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition. And then above that, we have uh, number four, Planescape Torment. Uh, been playing this again with a person. We don't have many recordings. We're gonna hopefully get through the game eventually and release the game eventually. So there's a Planescape Torment in the future, hopefully. But I wanna I wanna finish the whole game before before beginning any of that release stuff. So so you'll have to wait a long time. But hopefully. Um, above Flamescape Torment, we have number three is Dragon Audit. It's the goo it's the most goofy ass game. You know? It's it's the silliest thing. But I I just I just loved every part of it. Every time a thing was about to happen, I was like, yeah. 
this is appropriate. This is absolutely what should be happening right now. There was not, I won't say that this is like, like there's one or two spots where like what I had to do was like look it up in a guide to figure it out. So like a little bit of points off that, like there was one spot where I had to get a thing. It was like a, like a little tiny glass cup. It was like sitting on a table, but like it was so small and it was like trans translucent and stuff that like I couldn't tell that I was looking for it. Like, like I sort of overlooked it a bunch, you know? So, so the game could maybe be a little more self-explanatory or like, like not whatever you call when you don't need to look up a guide conveyance or whatever. Um, but other than that, just a high quality game. Next up, we have uh, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening. I have to stop playing this game because it, um, it, you know, it keeps, it gets clogging up the list. Um, but yeah, it went 12-1. It's, it's hard to beat every time Link's Awakening maybe could have, could have lost to a game. I thought to myself, no way. That's that's your uh, that's your childhood game. You've got to pick it. Like there was there was one of the rounds. It was like Final Fantasy X versus Link's Awakening, and I thought really hard about that for like 0 0.68 seconds, and then I put Link's Awakening. That's right. That's right. Um, and those who have been carefully checking off little boxes on a list at home know that that means that number one is goodbye volcano high it is my game of the year air horns air horns air horns uh it's really good i would not have expected like if you told me at the start of the year loca your game of the year is going to be a visual novel with um musical mini game interludes during two or three parts I would have said, how high are you? But here we are, picking goodbye Volcano High. And that brings us to the end of our episode, friends. If you want to, you can go to Challenge, C-H-A-L-L-O-N-G-E, Challenge.com slash L-O-K-A-G-O-T-Y. And then the digits 2023, challenge.com, loca goatee 2023. Um, and then that, it's it's a publicly visible um, <clears throat> tournament bracket. You can see the results of every single round. You can see the final results, the final rankings, etc., etc. If you want to dive deeper into the numbers, uh, hopefully. Hopefully in 2024. Uh, I, do I want to say that hopefully in 2024 I'll play less games? <sighs> you know, some of these games... Some of these games I didn't play much of. Uh, maybe I'll consider more closely beating games that I play. And focusing on like completing as many games as possible rather than playing as many games as possible. Um, but, you know, we'll just see how it goes. Until then, folks, I've been your host, Loka, and this has been a five-star runtime episode. So see you next year.